0: possible to survive the boss from hell without quitting your job or selling your soul? Hi, my name is Ken Williams and I'm a certified life coach and a master of connecting with people. I've had a lot of bad bosses because who hasn't? And I'm the host of the Bad Boss Podcast, a podcast where we explore ways to improve relationships at work so that you can survive the boss from hell. So join me as we delve into the ins and outs of working with people that you never wanted to be friends with. If you're hoping to reduce your work stress and increase your job satisfaction when it seems impossible, this is the podcast for you. Get ready to discover the power of untoxic positivity and learn how to survive the boss from hell. And welcome back. And uh, happy Monday. This week, um, like I talked about last week, It's going to be a little bit different instead of um, just me talking about some of the things that I've learned or or experienced over the years dealing with the bad boss. I found somebody else that has had plenty of experiences with bad bosses and also has made a career out of helping people um, transition to the the job that they want next. So um, instead of me just giving you the the things that I've um, figured out or done myself. I'm having a conversation or I had a conversation. We actually recorded this earlier with Braxton Wood, who is a career coach. He will help you find your next uh, your next job. And that is uh, information about working with him is in the show notes. So feel free to reach out to him if you have questions or if you have any ideas on what you want to talk about next on uh, the Bad Bod Podcast, uh, you can just shoot me an email, Ken at KenWilliamsCoaching.com. So with that, um, here it is. Uh, here's my conversation with Braxton. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Bad Boss Podcast. This is a different episode than we've ever done before in our, uh, whatever we have, I don't even remember how many episodes or what number this one is. But this one is uh, recorded with another person I have all the way from Idaho, Braxton, who is a, um, I found him through TikTok, which my 17-year-old son says, Dad, TikTok, no, get off, (laughs) get off TikTok. But Braxton is a, what, how would you describe yourself? What, what is your role?
1: Um, what I help people do is land their own land, their dream job on their own terms. Really? Okay. Yeah.
0: I love that because so many times we assume that, um, we're stuck by whatever is out there and, uh, we have to take whatever is offered. And so what I followed you, um, where, where I, I, you caught my attention was where you were um, sharing stories of dealing with unreasonable bosses. And this episode I postponed it cause you were sick last week. <laughs> so it looks like you're feeling better. But this episode, um, instead of just dealing with the unreasonable boss uh, or the uh, boss from hell, I wanted to talk about how do you know that it's time to um, break up with the bad boss? So um I'll tell you, first of all, my perspective as a coach helping people deal with bad bosses, I can help you work with just about anything. But at some point, you may decide this is not the life that I want. I want to move to something different on my own terms. So first of all, how do you find people? um, Well, I'm going to change the question because I saw a statistic just happened to be today that about 60% of people uh, surveyed say that their boss deflates or or reduces their their uh, self-worth or their um, self-esteem so is that something that you find in your in your work
1: oh absolutely yeah very much so it's it's almost heartbreaking it's painful to see that people are struggling with that because it, it impacts other things and it, it creates self-doubt I right. think, and so that's like that's what i what personally that's like what i really help people do is overcome all the negative voices that are in the back of your head that you started believing at some point. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I found that that, those, those voices can get, um, that it could be dangerous to start listening to those. Um, I have thought, and I think we all think this to some degree that I'm a likable person and I'm pretty effective at my jobs. And I had a job where just through a series of downsizing rounds, I was Eventually, the victim of that. And then I got another job, and it was not a good fit. I did not love the job, but they pulled me in. Ken, we've decided to go in a different direction, and that does not include you. And then there was another job that, three in a row, that I was just the victim of. They had, I was replacing a guy who was out on military leave, and he came back, and budget didn't support two people in that role. And so I was eliminated, which I would have made the same decision. But at some point, um, I started thinking, am, am I the problem? And I don't know that that's a uh a productive or a uh worthwhile way to think.
1: There's a book that I when I kind of started my career journey in my adult life, there's a an obscure book I discovered. It's from an author, um, her name's Sherry Huber. Mm-hmm. And her her book is called There's Nothing Wrong With You. <laughs> And nice. like when I, it's crazy to think like if you're not conscious of your thoughts, it's crazy to think how much they really influence your decisions and influence right your demeanor, your your attitude. Um, and so I like, I feel like that's the first step is like you're you're having all this negativity kind of pushed upon you. Uh-huh. Um, if we're not conscious of what we're of the story we're telling ourselves when that happens, it can either go really good or really bad. And I think human nature is like by design where we, as humans are wired to seek negativity because it's typically a threat. And so that's how we know how to avoid it. Right. Right. Sometimes we the pendulum swings too far in that direction. And we start believing everything that we're like, we do our own deductive reasoning and, and realize, or, or seem to think that, you know, all these things must mean that we're not, deserving. We're not credible. We're not qualified enough or whatever it is. I see it all the time.
0: Yeah. And it's um, one of the things I've talked about before on the podcast is that we, uh, because the thoughts come from us, we, they just feel so true. And so if you start getting some of those, those uh, toxic thoughts, um, you assume it's true, you believe it. And then that you just get into that downward spiral. And it doesn't help when you have the boss who's saying things, doing things that get you then thinking that, well, maybe I am the problem. Maybe I am the one who is not, um, effective. I had a boss as an example that I went from being the go-to person. I was, um, the de facto backup and, um, it didn't take long. It was just after a short period of time, all of a sudden I was the, um, I do I was the, the pariah of the group. And in fact, he told me his words were, you're the worst manager in the group. (laughs) This is the feedback I'm getting from your peers that they don't like you. They don't respect you. They don't trust you. And the funny thing is that I had a great relationship with my peers that I, I knew that wasn't true, but you're getting this message that if it's matching up to some of that internal dialogue, it can get really hard to, to overcome. So If you're in a toxic situation, what are some of the things that you uh, that you have found make it important for somebody to start thinking, okay, it's time for me to get away from this this boss or this job or this situation?
1: I think the first thing it really is about mindset. So maybe I'll maybe I'll do a challenge with you right now, Ken. This is something that I kind of do with my clients. Okay. I'm gonna invite you to look around in the room you're in right now and spot everything in the room that's Uh blue. Right. And maybe just like name four things to me that are blue.
0: Okay, I've got a green screen that is um, blue on the backside. I've got a tote that's got a blue lid on it. I've got a little tub that's blue, and I've got a calendar that's got
1: some blue on it. So okay. there's now close your eyes. Okay, and tell me four things you saw that were red. Oh
0: my goodness! I knew this was coming. <laughs> I just
1: didn't know what color <laughs> color you're gonna pick.
0: Um,
1: it's I know a that behind right? me
0: there's an on-air sign that's red, but I didn't. Yeah. See. <laughs> so that's one thing. <laughs> Um, I've, it is so much harder to, to find the red things when, um, that wasn't what you're looking for. I've got a deck of cards right here. That's red.
1: <laughs> there you go. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> what we, my, my point with this, I do this with all my clients and it's like uh-huh. kind of the same aha moment every time what we focus on is what we attract. And right. so if what we're focusing on is all the negative in the situation, all of the, then we're never going to attract to us the positives because we're focusing on the negative just like with the blue and the red yeah um and so the first thing to identify is like let's stop focusing on the negative things that that demon in the back of our head is telling us that we're our inner voice is telling us let's not let's not allow our bosses to reinforce that right either you know uh but then the flip side of it is if you're going to if you're going to eliminate something negative you have to replace it with something positive and so what yes. i find a lot of people um w- when the switch flips for them is when they start asking themselves what their ambitions are and what they're what they're maybe even what they're passionate about and start focusing exactly. on those things and get excited get elated allow yourself to feel free in that moment of just identifying what it is that is important to you and what you're yeah. passionate about um and then ask yourself, I, I, all my clients, I ask all my clients this question and they have a really hard time answering it. But what I ask them is what is it you want to do all day? Yeah. And when you kind of marry those two things, like what is it you want to do all day with the, your ambitions? Like that gives you something to think forward about instead of look back on all the negative. Um, um, and I find it helps a lot of people, at least, And at least that's the way that I found, like, you know, i I I didn't follow a traditional educational model. I I I'm, I'm a product of homeschooling. Okay. I didn't graduate high school. I never went to college. I don't there's nothing on paper that says I'm quote unquote educated at all. Right. Um, so me being in my own bubble in a way for as a kid going into a teenager into adulthood, I didn't have a barometer to compare anything to. Yeah. And I remember um me finishing being a homeschool kid and temporarily thinking like, do I want to? Do I want to go to college? And I even went and did the placement test there after a lot of prodding from my mom. But I was really hesitant because, like, no, there's no way I'm smart enough to like even, like, get into the classes that I want to start in. Blah blah blah. And it, I ended up testing out of some classes. Cool. And so, like, and I didn't go to college, but I took the placement test just to like verify, right? Because I was going to prove my mom wrong. I was like, you know, there's anyway. But my point is, is that if we, you just. We never have the whole picture and yeah. people fall very short of giving themselves the full picture. And so it's really easy to believe all the negative that you're telling yourself and that other people are telling you when yeah. you do not have the whole picture.
0: Yeah, that, that gets tough. And one of the things that I've learned is those voices that you hear. Um, And I'll see if I can explain this so that it doesn't sound schizophrenic or something like that. But you get you get the The boss's voice, and you get maybe mom's voice, and maybe your own voice, and if they're all giving you the same message, message, um, I guess my question is, what do you, what do you do when the the message that those voices are giving you are not consistent with what what the true value or the true ability to contribute of the of the person might suggest or represent.
1: I think the bottom line is, is you have to give yourself something to feel motivated by. And so something that I do with a lot of people that I work with is like, I, I help them get a quick win. Yeah. And a quick win can take many forms depending on what their goals are. Right. And so the first mm-hmm. step is actually define a goal. If you don't have a goal, then let's do that first. And I find that that's very often the pick case. People are just kind of aimless in their direction, aimless in their intentions. Right. And they're just letting the world happen to them instead of them making a dent in the world. Right. Right. Um, so the first step is think of a goal, whatever it is, professionally, personally, mm-hmm. financially, whatever. And then think back and reverse engineer almost like, look, try to identify the stepping stones, the milestones it'll take to get to that goal. Yeah. And so your quick win, if, if it's five milestones, six milestones, the quick win that you're going to start aiming for is whatever that first milestone is. Okay. Um, and then chase that. Don't chase the big lofty goal. Chase that initial goal and get a mm-hmm. quick win out of that because the, the the satisfaction of the accomplishment, the dopamine hit that you're going to get is going to give you the motivation and be the signal to you right. that you're in the right direction, right? So yeah. like, I, I think that's where it starts because then now you're motivated to hit milestone number two, whatever that is, and number three. And and it can take time. It's not like mm-hmm. always an immediate thing. And depending on what someone's goals are, they like, it might be a two-year experience just to hit that first milestone. Right. It can depend. Right. But I think giving ourselves the bandwidth and the freedom to be willing to fail, first of yeah. all, you're not gonna you're not gonna hit the milestone the first time. You try something potentially. Right. Um but giving yourself the bandwidth and the permission to fail to learn from it and then work on that milestone until you get that quick win until you get that dopamine hit, I find that like too many people don't look at it that way, don't look at living life that way. And uh, I, I think it's a shame honestly.
0: Yeah. I want to uh, go back just for a second because you said something that that um, got me thinking. You said one of the first things you do is you work with people to help them identify what is it that they want to do and um, to establish a goal. And I can tell you based on some of the conversations I've had with people, I have an assumption. I just want to find out if you have the same experience that I've had. Do you find that it's hard for people to um, to decide or, or recognize what they want to do
1: as opposed to what they want to avoid. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Because again, we're, we're, we're hardwired to seek the threats, right? And right. the threat usually has a negative connotation. Yep. I, we're, we also live in this culture. I feel where um we're, we're conditioned to not be proactive in a oh, way. Yeah. And I think being, you know, we're complacency and idleness um, is a breeding ground for negativity and for negative thoughts. And um, I, I think there's so many, like, it's a whole other conversation of why I think that happens. But if, from a societal perspective, there's so many things that cause us to become complacent and mm-hmm. idle and not um, seek that ambition. And what happens is is uh, we as people, and just from my observation, we as people tend to look at our situation and we don't like it. We We curse the world for it. But instead of being proactive and trying to make a change or trying to make an effort to get out of it, we double down on just having a pity party or we double down on feeling sorry right. for ourselves. Or we double down on cursing the world every and not like blaming all the external influences, blaming other people, but yeah. not blaming our own activity in our or, or lack thereof.
0: Right. And I think sometimes uh, we prioritize comfort, um, which... I think sometimes we misinterpret or misunderstand a safety that if I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable in this job. I know the boss is going to be horrible to me, but at least I know that whatever it is. And, um, there's (laughs) really, there is no safety. There's no safety in that. And, um, so one of the things that I teach is the mindset part is it helps turn what take some of that that uh, that negative chatter get rid of that start looking at the positive and and that sort of thing um but when you have that when you have that truly toxic uh situation where it's time to get out it's um it i have found the same thing it is really hard to to focus on what i want rather than what i i, I don't want a boss who's going to be Berating me in front of my peers. I don't want this kind of environment. I don't want this, and so um, I agree that coming up with something that that is truly what you want that can be a challenge. And so, do you ever do you ever work with people on what kind of leadership style they want to work under, or what kind of cor- corporate culture they want, or is it more um, the the day to day tasks or the the
1: functions of the job? It's more of the easy to qualify. Quantify stuff, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, like, half the people I work with, they they struggle with even being able to articulate what is they really want out of their right. career, much less what type of leader they actually want to work for, right? Like, if they get that specific, then that'd be awesome. But I find a lot of people I've worked with, I mean, some of my clients have been VPs of, like, publicly traded companies, and mm-hmm. they still have these same struggles. It's like, they've never stopped and took a pause to think about, well, what is it that I really care about? What is it that I really want? Right. Right. Um, or, or it's the same thing. They feel a lot of imposter syndrome too is another thing. And that imposter syndrome tends to impact um, what, they're, what they're thinking, how they're behaving. Right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so it's more so if they have some sort of general idea of what they want, like I really, the first step is help them unpack, well, how do we articulate and define that so that it's, you know, this is the whole smart goals thing, like specific, measurable, attainable, achievable, time bound type of thing Mm -hmm. um realistic and time-bound uh so that's that's another exercise because no one i have not met anyone that has looked at their career through that lens and being able to do that can be very empowering to them and when they look at it that way doing that exercise on its own without any additional help from braxton even they start to see okay oh there's the path there's those milestones right um But yeah, if, if, if someone wants to be able to identify the type of leader that they want to be, or they want to work for, that'd be awesome. But I find it very rare.
0: Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Um, What are some of the things when, when you start working with, with somebody, what are some of the reasons that they give for wanting out? Are they, are they displaced? Are they finding that they, they need to find a new job are they dealing with somebody who's been um, difficult to deal with and they're trying to remove themselves from that situation?
1: Yeah. I've, what I've run, and this has been my own experience personally with all the, the bad work relationships that I've been in, and in situations that I've been in. I find that people can see the writing on the wall. Okay. Um, but this is something, this is like, this is something that I learned, um, running this business over the last few years is that worse situations are actually better than just kind of bad situations because it's the worst situation that will force you to make a change. right? Right. Um, it's not until most people hit that period, that point where they they would define it as the situation got way worse. Yeah, that they make a change. Um, so usually when people come to me, that's the situation. I had someone that just signed up under my coaching program this last week, where the situation was bad but tolerable. Mm-hmm. And then she like four days later, she walked into work and they dumped all this other stuff on her, dumped all this other work on her, and she emailed me back. She's like, like never it's mind. My... Like I need you, <laughs> and I need you now. Like. But I I recognize doing the same thing early on in my career. And so it's so funny because for the longest time, like I'm the only. um, My my family historically has never taken any sort of career path like I have, like I'm kind Mm -hmm. of the black sheep in my in my own family in that regard. And so one of the things I was raised to think was kind of to just. Go with the motions, take take the whatever opportunity you can find as long as right. it can cover the bills and, and type of thing. Like right. so scarcity mindset. And I think I think a lot of
0: people are like that. That whatever whatever presents itself, that's what I'm that's what I'm gonna take.
1: Yeah. Human nature again, right? Yeah. Yep. Um a lot of people are like that. And they run into they they even in this is something that like I've almost I feel like personally I've shifted the other direction where it's like if I see the writing on the wall, I'm not waiting another moment. Right. To try and make a change because I can see the writing on the wall. But people, to like you said, get complacent. They they allow themselves to be comfortable because it's not bad enough yet, right. and then they wait until it's almost too late. So I run into that a, a lot with people. So that's something specifically that I also help people understand. I have another client right now. She's been coaching with me for over a year. Mm-hmm. Where, um, she actually she's a very talented, very type A. Very, but very personable, very kind leader, and she actually mm. fa- single-handedly facilitated the sale of her business. So she's like the example of what a a good leader looks like, a good boss looks like. Yeah. Um. But when her company was acquired, she fell into a role where now she has to report to people, mm. and it's not going so well, and it's been getting worse and worse and worse. And she's like, I can't do this. But now she's what she's struggling with, and what I see what a lot of people struggle with, as well is. Okay, if it's time to leave, maybe it's time to leave, but where do I go? What do I do? and so she's right. she's struggling with um that you know an paralysis of analysis type of thing yeah. where there's four different opportunities, four different things she feels like doing, and she can't commit to one, and so she remains in the same place right in the same environment. so that happens too yeah it's that that commitment um, gets to be a
0: challenge because I think. We assume that there's a right answer, which means that every other answer is wrong. And if we don't figure out which one of those four or whatever options is right, then that's where we feel stuck. One of the things that I that I personally experienced not that long ago was um, I had a big decision to make, and I was in that same ah uh, which which way do I go? Until I just I picked I picked a path, picked a path, set a date, started making steps towards it, and all of a sudden it was like just clarity of mind it was amazing so yeah. um sometimes that that can make a difference um one of the things i wanted to to ask you about you said when we were uh, we were emailing back and forth you said that i can't remember how you said it but it was something like you're the master of um firing bad bosses something like that <laughs> and so what stories have, have you had or people that you've worked with? where you've had that kind of a, <laughs> the bad boss relationship, and you decided it's time to go. What, what were some of the things that you have escaped from?
1: Oh man, it's funny. I just posted a video on my social accounts uh, in the last few days explaining, and I explained like, I, I, here's my, here's three jobs I had in a row where I had to escape a bad boss. And a lot of people were commenting like, Don't you think there's that that tells something more about you? Like maybe you're the problem. And I'm like, I get what you're saying, but I guarantee you, like, there there wasn't a lot of wiggle room for me how to navigate that and be okay with it. Mm -hmm. So, so those three stories. Um, I worked at a very popular tech company. Um, uh, I live in Idaho now, but but this is when I lived in another state. This tech company was the most coveted employer in arguably the whole state. Um, just because they're kind of like it. If there was a Silicon Valley in the state that I lived in, like that company was the the poster child for it. Almost. Right. So that's kind of how everyone viewed this company. I had three jobs there. In the first one there, uh, I had a boss. And th- these are all stories I've told on my on my social accounts too. But I my manager, my first job there, tried to sabotage me because he decided he didn't like me anymore. And so like he literally, I was in sales. And so he literally cut my lead flow off. Uh, even though I was performing better than at least half the people on the team, so like mm-hmm. why that doesn't make sense. If you're if you have a high producing salesperson that is outperforming at least half the team, why would you cut their lead flow down? That doesn't make sense, right? So so he tried to sabotage me to to manufacture a reason to to put me on performance plan, where then he could then fire me. It didn't work out. A year later, he ended up getting fired for other reasons. And so karma's <laughs> as you know, yes. Um, the last job I had at that company. Um, the manager of a certain department poached me from my current job that I had at the time. And it was on all these promises. And this was the period of my life where I was figuring out everything that I teach in my coaching program. Like, this is how the hiring process works. This is what how employers think. This is how you write a good resume, all that type of stuff. Like, this was the period where I figured all that stuff out. And this manager really wanted me on her team because I was the only other person in a 500-person tech company that... Knew a certain software that her department used, and so like I was, I was candidate number one. They so they spent three months trying to court me, convince me to come on their team. I told them, "What you're offering me is not aligned with my personal goals. No, thank you." And then they finally came to me after three months, and they, um, said, "Okay, Braxton, like we cave, like you can have everything." And they said, "Just spend one month with us." And one of my goals was to work remotely. That was that was uh-huh. one of my conditions. So just spend a month with us in the office, and then. Uh, and then you can work from home, blah blah. And she told me all these things. She's like, Braxton, the pay is going to be great, and the schedule's super flexible, and you're going to work with like all the best clients that we have and in, in, in customers, and they're coming. All tell me all this stuff. I took the job, and it like it wasn't just that she lied; like she completely misrepresented the job to me. So like, not only was the schedule not flexible, it was even less flexible than my previous job and it was more hours, and it was for the same pay. I was literally coming in some days at five in the morning and not leaving till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. Wow. And like, oh, and the other thing was, was that the whole reason that they were trying to court me and were trying to smooth talk me so much for three months was because there was a girl that had put in her notice and she was trying to leave, but they couldn't find a replacement for her. But they didn't tell me that I was replacing her mm. and that she had given her notice until the day before her last day is what's when I found out. So they like, com- I felt completely take advantage of. um, And it was just, <laughs> I, just anyway, like I, my blood, this was years ago and the, my blood still boils just for thinking how it, how they took advantage of me. But um anyway, so those are a couple of stories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, when you find that you're working for a, a, a boss or a company that's not ethical, then that's probably a signal that, okay, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so um anything else that you can think of that that you would point people to as signals that it's time it's time for me to break up it's time for me to get out of this situation what are some of the flags that that we should be looking for
1: i i think there's a bunch of obvious ones if if your company even if you're interviewing for a company and they say oh we're just a big happy family here that is not a good that's not a <laughs> green flag that's not, so that's an obvious one i think most people know that one by now but i just want to throw that one out there um yeah if they ever use the word family, do is don't don't even bother. Um, yeah, i I think in terms of like red flags, um you know glass glassdoor is a great tool these days. and uh-huh. so um a tip I give people is like you don't ever want to believe the five star reviews and you don't ever want to believe the one star reviews. read all the three star reviews, okay company, like Glassdoor because the five star ones were are typically ones that the company strong arm their people to give in some way. It's mm-hmm. so funny. Like that tech company I worked at, they did exactly that. They did what a lot of tech companies do and they have like a monthly meeting where the whole company is present. And it's like, you know, it's like what Apple does. Like that's what they're trying to make it. Right. And it it was really, this was at, this happened after I left, but I had a buddy like confirmed to me, this is what happened, who he was still working there. But um. <laughs> I always go on Glassdoor just because I'm always curious to see, well, do people have anything better to say about this tech company now? And you can tell when they had a company meeting and that they did some sort of mandate to require all their company or all their people to leave a positive review because like April, boom, and there's like a bazillion five-star reviews about this company. And you look before and any other time there's a five-star review, there's like maybe one every five months or something like that. And it's just like, so that's another in terms of red flags. Go on Glassdoor and see if there are companies that do stuff like that. Because like my former employer, they went to the extent that at the company meeting in front of five or six hundred people, they said, "Either you're all in, all mm-hmm. in, using those kind of buzzwords. You're yeah. all in, or you're out, and we'll give you severance. But we're only we only want people if they're all in." Um. And so the way you signaled that you were all in was, you guys are going. This is what they told them: go yeah. on Glassdoor, leave a good review and screenshot and send it to your manager so that you have proof that you did it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, so we're going to artificially inflate our good name. And it's just, anyway, yeah. So that's another one is look at Glassdoor and look at all the, the bazillions of five-star reviews and realize that it's all manufactured.
0: <laughs> that, that makes sense. That's helpful. Um, yeah, I think that... So as as people figure out what they want, what they want out of life, at what point, really two questions, at what point should they start looking for that? If they're in a, if they're in a job that they realize it's time to get out because there's, there's a mismatch between my personal values or my direction, at what point should they start, um, I guess my question is, should they, should they leave immediately? Should they create an exit plan? Because uh, in many of those cases, they're still uh, things aren't that bad. They can still um, motivate themselves to, <laughs> to deal with a little bit of discomfort until things work out. And I, maybe the other question is um, yeah. What's the, what's the, uh, the sequence? Do they, find a job and then leave, or do they leave and then find a job? Do they do some kind of a hybrid based on what their what their experience is? What what do you
1: find working well? What do you rep- recommend? There's what works well, and there's what Braxton does, which tend to be <laughs> two different things. So me being being a product of homeschooling, I was a free range kid. Uh-huh. And so I have a very low tolerance for bull crap, honestly. Um, and so my inclination is if, I'm seeing the writing on the wall. I'm not giving them any more time because right. let's be frank. I hate talking negatively like this, but the I don't see it as a negative. It's just reality is yeah. employers don't tend. They do not tend to give us the same courtesy that we tend to give them, such as a right. two weeks notice. Right. right. And so um, anyway, to answer the question, like I I would quit immediately. Sometimes I would give them a two weeks notice. Like I'd be uh-huh. willing to do that, but I'm not waiting for the situation to get any worse. Right, and it okay. always does. It all, yeah. I hate to say it, but like if you have a toxic manager, they it's usually an ego trip for them. They're not going to take constructive feedback from you as their subordinate. Right. I just I just don't see it. Um, so my inclination is just up and leave. Um. But like, the other side, like the other answer to your question is, is like, again we are all conditioned to live in a scarcity mindset. And one of the ways that we live in a scarcity mindset that we don't realize is that we take a job and we never look for another job until it's like critical, until it's a critical moment. And so I, I always lived by something. I even told this to all my friends when I worked at the tech company is like, anytime I took a job, I am taking that job knowing that I could lose that job at any time and for any reason.
0: Yeah.
1: And so when it sounds like a negative mentality, but I I don't believe it is. I think it's recognizing reality. Mm -hmm. And so I've always lived, this is a principle that I teach my clients is it's the able principle, always be looking elsewhere. Okay. And because to me, it seems silly that the, the, the way that we look at our careers is so linear that we only start looking for a new job when we're in a crisis or when something goes bad. I I've never in my entire life worked for the same company for more than three years, ever, and it's because I was always looking elsewhere and right. doing that. Uh, like I would, I all other things aside, like my salary went significantly up every time I changed jobs. I doubled my salary in four years doing mm-hmm. that with that mentality. So that's the other thing is like when you see the writing on the wall in my opinion it's already too late because right. you weren't looking elsewhere and you weren't doing anything you weren't keeping your resume updated you weren't keeping your linkedin updated all that right. type of stuff follow that model and when the crisis hits it's usually a smoother job hunt because you've been intentional the whole way up right that's that would be my response to that
0: i like that and and it really um puts the control back in your own in your own hands exactly. that you're not at the I had a conversation with one of my former coworkers, and and he was in a situation where, um, the the status the, the writing was on the wall for him, and it wasn't immediate, but it was it was on the wall, and um, I talked to him about uh, what his we were just talking about future plans. We had he had been with the company a little bit longer than I had, and uh, he said something about well. You know, it's that scarcity mindset. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I would do next. And I don't, he was not enjoying the job. He had the same boss that I had. He was not enjoying that. And, um, but he was just putting up with whatever. And I, and I told him that if I ever get get to that point, I'm, I'm doing things on my terms. I'm not waiting for the company to decide that that we don't work together anymore. I'm going to make that plan myself. And so um, I've taken making maybe a much longer um, path (laughs) than you did figuring out I'm responsible for my career. I'm responsible for my happiness. I'm responsible for what I develop, what I create. And, um, so I love that, that that's one of the things that you're working with that uh, your clients helping them take back that control. And so, um, that's, I think that's what it boils down to. If you're going to answer the the question, when is it time to break up with a bad boss? Um, based on what I'm hearing you say is, Uh, when, when you're not, maybe you should answer the question before me. (laughs) Yesterday, (laughs) yesterday, yesterday's
1: (laughs) the answer. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So don't, don't put up with it. And so one of the things I can, I can help people with the relationship, but if the relationship is not getting you to where you need to be, then maybe it's time to break up with a bad boss.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's always been my MO is like, no, you're not like, we're not, we're past the honeymoon phase where you're all right. nice to me as an employee. And now, now I'm kind of finding out you're a jerk. <laughs> you do know I mean? like, I'm not, I don't want to work for jerks. <laughs> right.
0: No, and that's, and that's fair. So if somebody wants to work with you, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
1: Um, if you go to Braxtonwood.VIP, um, everything that I do is on that one page there.
0: Okay. And yeah. I'll have that link in the show notes as well. Yeah. So it has been a blast chatting with you. And, um, it's been, it's been fun learning uh, from you, the, the, uh, perspectives, especially deciding what it is that you want, working towards that rather than, than trying to avoid, um, uh, I, I think the way that I'm trying to say it is, um, working towards something rather than trying to work away from something. Exactly. And so, uh, that's fantastic. Thanks for taking the time. And um, I'll put the, uh, like I said, I'll put your link into the show notes and, and people can reach out and uh, see what you can offer and in, in shifting from where they are to where they want to go. Love it. So that's all we got for you for this week. It was a pleasure chatting with you, Braxton. Thanks for your insight and for your help. Thanks for, um, being willing to be on the on the podcast next week we are talking about being a leader leadership something that we don't have enough of these days so i'll share some uh, thoughts on how if your bad boss is not being a leader how can you be the leader uh until then thanks for uh watching thanks for listening we will talk to you next week Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bad Boss Podcast. We hope you found it helpful and inspiring. Remember that relationships are a work in progress and making mistakes is normal. And if you wanna have a better experience with your own bad boss, I'd love to help. Visit my website, KenWilliamsCoaching.com and download my guide to surviving the boss from hell. I've also put a link in the show notes. Don't forget to follow and share this podcast with others who might benefit. And until next time, Don't forget to spread untoxic positivity everywhere.